Welcome to Ordinary Fellowship, a podcast inspired by the Puritan practice of godly conference, or spiritual conversations among believers. These spiritual conversations offer practical spiritual help for Christian living. Welcome to Ordinary Fellowship. I'm Jeremy Lee, and with me as always is my co-host, Matthew McLaughlin. Hey, Jeremy. Uh, it's good to be here today and conversate with you about Bible and theology and the secular creed. <laughs> yes, conversating is a good thing. We missed a week. And we did a podcast on the law and the Christian. So we're back to our series. We have two more to go where we're discussing the secular creed. Uh, as I've I've described it before, signs up in people's yards, probably in your neighborhood that say, in this house we believe Things like Black Lives Matter, uh, Love is Love, etc. Now, there's a couple different signs, and we've been following Rebecca McLaughlin's book, A Secular Creed, and the one that she used is, is, there's another one. Uh, So, these two aren't from her book. The next two that we're going to talk about, talk about one this week and another next week. So, the one, what we're going to talk about today is immigration. And there's, I've seen two versions of this part of the secular creed. One is, uh, it says we're all immigrants. Um, and the second one is no person should be called an illegal or no, no person is an illegal, I think is actually how it's said. So as we've done with the other ones, um, before we get to the, biblical idea about this let's let's consider these these two ways of i think saying the same thing the one that actually says we are all immigrants i think is we can affirm more confidently than the one that says um no person should be called illegal but so let's let's talk about that so and this one is actually one that, um, at the end of the day, uh, the others, uh, like Francis Turton says, we we either have to distinguish, deny, or affirm. The others we've been distinguishing and denying. This one we're actually, at the end of the day, we are going to affirm um, with some qualifications on the wording, right? So... The we are all immigrants, I think, makes sense on the surface, right? Right. Everybody came from somewhere. The people have moved all over the earth as long as there's been people on the earth. Now, maybe the, fir- the first people, wherever the first people were from, they weren't immigrants, but everybody else has been pretty much. Wherever that one place on earth is that people started from, uh, we, we're not going to discuss or argue about that. Wherever that place is, maybe you could say those people aren't immigrants, uh, but everywhere else, we've all come from somewhere else if you go back far enough in history. So to me, this is a statement that we can affirm, that we, we indeed are all immigrants. And as we go through today, you'll see how I think this has relevance and we can actually support this biblically for us as Christians and how we treat immigrants. 
So, any thoughts on that one, Matthew? No, just that I would agree with you that the only reason people would not affirm it is because they haven't actually thought about it. Right. Or they're prejudiced against it right. because of the source or something like that. Right. But, so, the other issue, the other one is that um, no person should be an illegal. Now, I think this one we have to qualify a little bit. If we're giving the people who uh, created this sign and the people who uh, share this sign, if we're given the, the judgment of charity, if we're given the benefit of the doubt, then we could say, yes, we agree. I think the idea, in, if we're given the benefit of the doubt, is that we shouldn't depersonalize human beings by calling them illegal. That's a problem. Because then that would mean you're treating them in a certain way. You're treating them possibly as subhuman. Okay? That I don't think we can disagree with. We obviously want to treat people, all people, with dignity and respect. That doesn't mean we agree with everything and um, affirm everything that they say or, or celebrate everything that they think we ought to celebrate. But we, that, it does mean that we treat people with dignity and worth because all people are created in the image of God. So if that's what they mean, that we shouldn't depersonalize people by calling them illegal or treat them as subhuman because they're, because we call them illegal, then I wholeheartedly endorse that. However, I don't, think that that's really the sense uh, that that they're trying to get across. I think they're making a statement that uh, there shouldn't be borders, that there should be open borders. Again, this is a debatable question, whether um, people should be free to move back and forth across borders or that there should be borders and how... uh, protected they should be and i think some of it depends on the circumstances right Right. if the nations surrounding you hate your guts and want all of you to die it's probably smart (laughs) to have very strong borders whereas if you're relatively at peace with your neighbors then it's not really necessary for those kind of things um and and nations are free to determine their own immigration policies and things like that. A nation has a right to say who is and who isn't allowed to be in their country within, you know, within the overall moral law of God, uh, whether they recognize it as a moral law of God or not. So, I, I again, with this particular way of saying it, that we shouldn't call people, no person should be an illegal we have to distinguish there. We have to say, if all they mean is we shouldn't depersonalize and treat people as subhuman, yes, 100%, we agree. But if they're, if they're making a statement about what, what border policy ought to be, then I think we have to distinguish and discuss it and not just make it automatic. Like what happens is the people who want open borders are seen as the compassionate people and the people who don't want the borders completely opened are are the mean evil people that hate other people that's the way it's portrayed by 
some in the media and and politicians and things like that. I don't really believe those stereotypes. I'm just trying to present how they look. So we're we're 100% on board with um with treating people with dignity and and respect. Um we we understand and affirm that all people are in some sense immigrants and that ought to affect the way we deal with immigration and border policy and all those kind of things. So unless Matthew has something to say, um, we're going to move on to the what the Bible says about these issues and try to come up with some application here. One thing I want to say, and we've tried to say this throughout this, we are not we're not trying to say this is ought to be the policy of the government. We're not offering policy proposals. Um, what I w- want to do is offer what the Bible says about uh, foreigners and things like that and how they should be treated so that whatever the end of the policy is, whatever the decision is, whatever the wisest course of action is, this is a the basic way we ought to be treating people morally. So we're not we're not going to argue about open or closed borders or somewhere in between that. We're we're trying to present a a biblical case for how to treat people regardless of their status in one country or another. Um so does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, cuz we we're not really doing this about politics, is is what I'm trying to say. So the Bible actually, especially the Old Testament, has a lot to say about strangers, sojourners, and foreigners. We're just we don't have time to look at a lot of the passages, but we're going to look at some. I think probably the most important one you find in uh, Leviticus chapter 19. I'm going to read verses 33 to 34. When a stranger sojourns with you in your land, you shall not do him wrong. You shall treat the stranger who sojourns with you as the native among you, and you shall love him as yourself. For you were strangers in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. This here in Leviticus is a command of God. Now, Last week we talked about applying the moral law or applying the law to the New Testament times. We're going to actually give an example of that today, okay? We believe that this is still applicable today. So the point here, first, I have, let me explain. I'm going to quote from Bynes Expository Dictionary. Uh, What they say it means to be a stranger. The Hebrew word is ger or ger if it's a noun. And they say it means to dwell as a client, comma, sojourn. The verb means to dwell in the land as a client. A client was not simply a foreigner, that's actually a different word, somebody from another country, or a stranger. He was a permanent resident, once a citizen of another land, who had moved into his new residence. Frequently he left his homeland under some distress, as when Moses fled to Gideon. Whether the reason for his journey was to escape some difficulty or merely to seek a new place to dwell, 
He was one who sought acceptance and refuge. It goes on to say, The Gur was to be treated as an Israelite, being responsible to and protected by the law. There were some exceptions to this, okay? But for the most part, with very few exceptions, he was to be treated as an Israelite. This word ger, ger or ger seems to be equivalent to the English word immigrant. How exactly that happened legally and all that, um, it doesn't really matter. But the point is they were immigrants. They were essentially permanent residents of another country. They came from somewhere else. They moved here for whatever reason. So they're permanent residents. And the Bible says these people, first, Israel's not to do them any wrong. They are not to mistreat them. Remember, every human being on planet Earth is created in the image of God. These immigrants are people created in the image of God, and therefore they have dignity and worth. So they were not, Israel was not to wrong them. It wasn't okay to cheat or oppress immigrants in Israel. They had to be treated justly according to the law. It goes. It reiterates this in verse 34. You shall treat the stranger who sojourns with you as the native among you, and you shall love him as yourself. And I think one of the critical things here is the reason why you're supposed to do that. He's, the Bible says, For you were strangers in the land of Egypt, I am the Lord your God. That sounds an awful lot like you are immigrants too. <laughs> and so I said at the very beginning, when these signs that say we're all immigrants, this sounds similar to what God is saying to Israel. You were immigrants one time. You were strangers in a strange land. In fact, Noah's, not Noah, Moses' son, Gershom, Ger is part of the word uh, stranger or sojourner uh, in Hebrew. Uh, and his name was understood to be, I'm a stranger in a strange land. Moses understood himself to be an immigrant. And, and they were mistreated severely. They were enslaved and badly treated in Israel. Israel, or Israel, <laughs> Egypt did not treat the immigrants as they ought to have done. Uh, Israel was supposed to be different than Egypt because Israel had experienced uh, this kind of oppression when they were immigrants. So they need to be treated uh, rightly. They needed to be treated justly. In uh, Deuteronomy chapter 24, beginning at verse 14 till the end of the chapter, it says a lot about immigrants there. Three things that I want to draw your attention to. They say they, they've got to be paid, they've got to be treated justly, and you're supposed to be charitable to them. Now, when it talks about being charitable, it's often in the Bible where it, when it mentions a sojourner, or um, yeah, a sojourner, it will also say widow and fatherless along with them. These three groups of people were considered the needy people. He could almost say the poor and get all three of them. So these people, not only were they supposed, they were supposed to treat him with dignity and worth, 
because they were people made in the image of God. But when they were in distress, when they were in economic turmoil, they were to be cared for, as were the widows and the fatherless. So there's they, Israel is supposed to have a completely different attitude towards immigrants than what Egypt did for Israel. Uh, they they needed to pay them a just wage, treat them justly, and be charitable to them when uh, charity was called for. So this is the example from Israel. Uh, we'll move on from there in a minute. Do, do you have any th- any thoughts, any clarifications that need to be made? I think we need to remember the description of how the Old Testament has talked about these things and help, help ourselves apply them to how we think things through. Because I think if we're honest, we don't think about it through a biblical lens and how Jeremy's just expressed, but rather we spend far too much time considering this from a political framework. And we get ourselves into trouble because then what we try to do is we try to force scripture into a political framework and try to make the two mesh. And bluntly, you can't do that because the political framework is not accepting of the it doesn't take into consideration the moral law. It just doesn't. Right. And often, unfortunately, what happens is the rhetoric is is really terrible at times. Right. I think one of the problems we have is that the rhetoric gets so bad because we we don't identify or understand. And if we're honest, we lose sight of the fact of what we've said repeatedly throughout this and what we'll continue to say repeatedly is that if we understand that every human being is made in the image of God, which therefore gives them inherent worth and value, that should affect how we think about and treat people. But when we set that aside, it it gives us license in our minds to treat people in a way or to speak about them in a way because i think that's the another part of it i don't think necessarily we treat them in a bad way but we speak about them because we create we create an abstract and so we 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 speak in abstract terms like they're the other and so we begin to behave like like we have xenophobia and we're afraid of the fear of the other and it causes us to think things we shouldn't think because we lose sight of the fact that they inherently have value and worth because they're made in God's image. These are human beings we're talking about. Right. Not some political football that we're tossing around and trying to win a fight about. Correct. They're real live human beings that are made in the image of God. Exactly. And it matters how we speak of them because our words are really a reflection of our heart. Exactly. So we can... If we say, if we're saying these things about people who are immigrants, it's, we can't divorce what we say from what is in our hearts. Correct. And we have politicians and news media who find bad apples among immigrants. And then that leads to prejudice because a few people are bad. And then it's assumed all of these people are bad. Um, it leads to fear and prejudice and and then abstracting 
them and making we think of them all as murderers and rapists and drug dealers. And it's not to deny that those are real problems, uh, that we're, we're not denying that those problems exist. Right. But it's not right to take one or two examples when you've got a hundred positive examples and make the one or two bad examples uh, exemplify the whole bunch. Right. And just from a theological standpoint, this goes back to the fact that each of us have personal responsibility for our own sin. And so we're answerable for our sin. We're not answerable necessarily for other people's sin. And so if I don't want to answer for every person who looks and behaves like I do and everything they do wrong, then it's (laughs) wrong for me to place that same burden upon another group of people and make them answerable for the sins of the entire community when they didn't commit those sins. Right. Let me show you how we know this applies to us. So in the Old Testament, Israel is a sojourner. Not only were they sojourners in Egypt, But they are also sojourners in the land. Even when they went into the promised land, they didn't own the land permanently. It was God who owned the land. It was God's land. And this is what we learned from Joshua, where we read all that stuff about dividing the land. That is kind of boring. Um, The point is, God owns the land. It's his land. He distributes it to whomever he pleases. Uh, and he's the one who gives portions of the land to Israel. And they're to maintain what God has given them. This Israel is like renting the land temporarily. Um, they, they're only stewards of the land. They don't own it. God owns the land. It would do well for us to look at our own nation in the same way, but we're not going to go down that rabbit trail. So Israelites... Yes, when they were Egypt, they were strangers in a strange land. But even when they were in the promised land, they still were sojourners in this world. The psalmist even mentions several times that he's a sojourner in this world. So not only, I understand from there, not only the people as a whole are sojourners, but every individual Israelite is a sojourner as well. And this is also talked about in the New Testament in Hebrews chapter 11. It's speaking of Abraham and his sons. And the scripture says, These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. We too, as believers in Christ, not just Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, But New Testament believers, we're strangers and exiles in this world. We're pilgrims in this world. This is not our home. It's temporary. And in the meantime, we're stewards of what God has given us. But God owns it all. So we too are sojourners. So when the Bible, when the Old Testament says that we're to treat immigrants as natives, we're to love them as ourselves, Because, speaking to Israel, they were strangers in a strange land. We also understand what it is to live in a home that is not our home. The difference is, of course, we've never been to our home, and they're coming from their home. So there's, obviously, there's differences. 
but we're strangers in a strange land as well. We should know how it feels to not fit in, to not adjust to our native land, and I'm doing the scare quotes. We we know how we should. We ought to know how that feels because we're si- heavenly citizens. Our citizenship is heaven. We have dual citizenship, yes, and we need to be stewards of what God has blessed us with. But we ultimately, our prime allegiance is to the kingdom of God and heaven. And so we we know what it's like then to be strangers in a strange land. And we ought to treat immigrants with dignity and respect. We ought to love them as we love ourselves. We ought to have a heart of compassion towards them because we're there. We ought to understand. Uh, It goes on in uh, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 14 to say, For people who speak thus make it clear they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. What I'm saying is we need to see ourselves primarily, chiefly as citizens of the city of God, and only secondarily as citizens of whatever nation or state we inhabit, uh, which for us happens to be the United States. So our primary allegiance is to the city of God, and that ought and because we live in another place, we ought to treat people better <laughs> than what we uh, sometimes do. So, And then another thing I would add is that unity between believers should transcend national and cultural concerns. So w- what I'm suggesting is that immigrants who are Christian, especially we ought to have more in common with them than native-born citizens in America because we're brothers and sisters in the Lord. And that relationship is primary to any relationship that we have nationally. Any thoughts about that before we try to sum up what we're saying and close? I think that we strongly need to consider that last point well, actually, I think we need to strongly consider the whole thing, but specifically about the last point in that it's not just that we should have more in common. It's that we do have more in common because we are all, we are part of the same family. But again, this goes to what you were talking about before is that we, we identify ourselves because ultimately this whole secular creed boils down to identity questions. And so this is so this is another example where we see our identity as a national or cultural identity as opposed to seeing it primarily as a spiritual identity that we either are or are not children of God and if we are then that is the our primary identity the primary marker and it affects how we interact with everybody but it also interacts affects how I understand the relationships that I have specifically in this context in the immigrant and whether they're an immigrant or not doesn't is less important than to understand whether or not they're a child of God or not 
because right. all of us, as you said, it says in Hebrews and it says again, Peter says the same thing, that we're strangers and pilgrims in a foreign land. Right. So I think to give some bullet points, what we're suggesting is that is what I think the Bible tells us to do, that we need to treat immigrants, and frankly, I'm not concerned whether it's legal or illegal, we need to treat immigrants with dignity and worth because they're made in the image of God. We need to treat them fairly and justly uh, because we understand what it's like to live in a country that's not our own. In effect, we're saying we need to love them as we love ourselves. And then finally, we need to look at immigrants not through a national lens primarily, but we need to look at them through Christian lens primarily, and only secondarily through a national lens. So I, I think those three bullet points are a good thing to end on, If unless you have any final words, sir. I think the only thing I would add is what Peter says in First Peter 2, verse 10, where he says, you once were not a people, but now you are a people. So we must, it's inherent upon us to identify our people and then to treat everyone like we have been called to, because if we are the children of God, then we should behave like our Father has called us to. Right, and so whatever policy decisions we make, we because there has to be there right. has to be decisions made, right? Right. Whatever policy decisions we make, need as Christians, we need to think about it through that lens rather than only through politics, partisan politics especially, and even national politics. The kingdom of God should trump all the others. Right. So just on a practical example, as we face a large number of illegal immigrants in the last few years, we have to find a way to separate the policy questions, which are valid and conversations worth having, from the the person questions. And so we should have compassion in our hearts toward the people, even as we have the policy conversations. And those all of that, as Jeremy just said, should be driven primarily not by national or partisan identity in quest, but rather by who we are in Christ. We thank you for listening to this episode of Ordinary Fellowship, a podcast ministry of Two Rivers Community Church. For more information about Two Rivers, you can find it on our website at www.tworiverscc.org. We look forward to your questions, your comments, and even dreaded hate mail at ordinaryfellowship at gmail.com. Please follow us on Facebook at Ordinary Fellowship and like, subscribe, and rate this podcast on whatever service you listen to us on. But for now, we want to thank you once again for listening to this episode of Ordinary Fellowship. We're striving to have spiritual conversations for practical Christian living. Mm-hmm.